ready to party! Welcome to another week of Watch If You Dare. This is the first episode of October, which means it's the first episode of Season of Spoop. And as always, you have your two Spoop boys here with you to guide you. This is Aaron Mansfield. Yo, dog. And then that's Derek Smith. And we have a special guest on. Once again, returning guest, Evan Mauer. Our first returning guest. That's right. Because the episode I was on was the highest rating. That's the way I understand it. So you're welcome. Probably. We'll just say less. (laughs) Too easy. In keeping in tradition, we always have you on for ridiculous over-the-top 80s horror. Correct. So Because I won't finish any of the actual scary movies. So So here I am. (laughs) So we got another one lined up for this week. Perfect. And once again, to kick off the season of Spoop throughout the month of October, we specifically are going to be doing not two, but three episodes this month, all of which take place on Halloween night. So this episode, we are going to be doing 1988's Night of the Demons, some fun, trash party in a crappy abandoned house with a lot of douchebags movie. So it's going to be a good time. To kick things off real quick, let's talk briefly about some horror-related things you might have checked out. Evan, let's start with you. Yeah, so as I kind of mentioned the last time I was on, I don't do like a whole bunch of horror, I guess, quote-unquote things, but a show that I watched recently that's new to Netflix, I think is worth mentioning. It's called Another Life. I don't know the main character's name, but if anyone has ever watched Longmire, she was the female cop in that show. And is she it? Was Katie Sackhoff? Yes. Yes. Okay. She's really awesome. So I was kind of happy that she got another featured role. So I watched it honestly just because of that and because I'm into aliens. But it's a really, really interesting series. So as far as I know, it's going to get renewed. I watched the whole series in maybe two days coming home from work and just binging it. Basically, kind of nearish future. Earth is a little bit more advanced than we are now, and basically, the giant alien ship lands somewhere on Earth, so everyone's freaking out. And they can't communicate with the ship, but they find out what star system it came from, and we have the technology to fly a ship there. So, the whole show is basically about this team of astronauts going to this galaxy and star system that no one's ever been to, but where we know life has come from. So along the way, all kinds of crazy space stuff happens, as you would imagine. But it was really interesting. And the first two episodes are kind of slow. And you're like, eh, this is kind of like your typical aliens meet humans for the first time thing. And then like on the third episode, you're just like, oh. So there are legitimately aliens in it. Correct. And they do actually get to the point where we see the aliens of the show. Uh, You see the aliens, but basically they left the big reveal, I guess, for the next season. So in this season, what you see is the aliens is only when they take over a human, they can put themselves in. It's kind of like a parasite. Sure. And it goes to your spinal cord, and then they basically take over that that person. But they have all of the intelligence and abilities of the aliens. So you don't see what they actually look like yet. But around the third or fourth episode is when you find out the actual intentions of this alien race, and shit gets turned on its head. And then you're like, well, 
we're kind of fucked. So it was really good. I really enjoyed it. The way they ended it, I thought was really good, which was refreshing because most of the original Netflix movies or TV series I watch usually has a really disappointing end. So this was really fun for me. And I think definitely worth a watch if you have kind of binged all the stuff that's on your list. This general premise reminds me a lot of, and I'm going to butcher this thing, but Shuchin Lu's Three Body Problem. That book series you should definitely check out. It's kind of the same idea where like we accidentally stumble across a signal, realize that there are aliens, realize that they may be hostile toward us, but we literally have a few hundred years to prepare before they would even like arrive in our solar system. Right. But in the meantime, they have been already kind of infiltrating our society through like use of the internet. And there's like a weird website with like a virtual like MMO kind of thing that's explaining like their culture kind of. And it's all Chinese characters. It's written by a Chinese author. I mean, it's a huge, massive sci-fi trilogy over there, but it's been translated into English in the last couple of years. That series is fantastic. So I would definitely check it out. I think you might be down with that. Yeah, I definitely will because I've kind of read most of the stuff that's on my list that was like, read this now. But um, I was just telling Derek this, actually. I read, I don't know, probably actually 50 books during the summer. And then when I go back to school, lesson planning and actually doing work in the classroom, it kind of spoils me on reading for a little while. Yeah. But that's good because I can build up another reading list. But that sounds really cool. Yeah, definitely worth checking out. Well, and and so kind of peek behind the curtain, the reason why Evan is here with me is he uh, took the drive with me, 13-hour drive back up north where I am living now. But uh, on the way here, we talked extensively. He is yet another listener of ours who watched Haunting of Hill House and really enjoyed it. And he told me a lot of the scares in that just reinforcing that I am not going to watch that show anytime soon. Because fuck that. (laughs) Yeah, you are. Eventually. Yep. Your shining loving ass is definitely going to go see Dr. Sleep and we're going to do it for sure. Like we might even like have a episode pretty close after it comes out potentially. So definitely, definitely Mike Flanagan is a dude to keep an eye on. All right, Derek, what about you? Have you checked out anything spooky related lately? Uh, I'm still kind of going through the same stuff that I'd mentioned last episode. But like I said, we took this road trip back up here and we actually made it overnight. We started in Louisiana at like five or six in the evening and drove all night and didn't get here till about eight or nine in the morning. So, you know, while we were driving, we decided we were near, I think it was Dallas, and it just so happened that Coast to Coast was coming on. We were listening <laughs> we were listening to some last podcast because I had fallen behind on a lot of episodes and we switched it over to Coast to Coast and it was a good one. It just so happened that the guest that was on was Rodney Asher, who is right. the film director who did Room 237 and then he also did The Nightmare and he was talking about how his next pseudo-horror documentary is going to be about the phenomenon of glitches in the Matrix, like the Mandela effect and glitches in the Matrix in general. Dear Lord. Exploring the the idea that we live in a computer simulation. If there was ever an excuse to get even more crazy people on camera and talking about their experiences, I thought Room 237 and The Nightmare like were possibly the top of that. 
But dear lord, like, if we're going to get that weird, then yeah, that's going to be interesting. By that, you mean if there is ever a better time to get people to say the truth, (laughs) then yes, you're correct. For whatever reason, Dallas has Coast to Coast on AM radio. It wasn't on FM station, so we only had it for about like an hour or so before we lost it. But during that hour, they had a host that was actually filling in for George Nori. It was uh, Connie Willis. She really just like fed into this guy's ego. Just, I loved Room 203. I mean, she was a good host, don't get me wrong, but she was just like, I loved Room 203 or 237, whatever the fuck. I loved the nightmare. I'm gonna love this shit. Tell me all your stories. Yeah. But that's what you have to do as a good host. If you have someone who's on your show for conspiracy theories, they're not there to tell you what is boring. They're there to tell you why they exist (laughs) in this world, and that's finding the truth. So why have someone on there and then just ask them dumb questions? So yeah, disappointed that there was no George Nori on there to just be like, you know, so when you uh, were talking about The Shining, uh, blah, 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 just his weird ass just instigating things. Let me ask you this, Rodney. If we're in the Matrix, do you think I would be the one? That's what he would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I was very kind of heartbroken. We lost the AM station and then couldn't find an alternative station because it then switched to open lines and we missed the open lines. And that's was, when the uh, good stuff happened. I was pretty upset about that. Yeah, because that's when people open up about alien rape. And <laughs> that's when I found out I was abducted. So that's all I got is what I'm trying to, long story short, that's all I got, Aaron. Cool. Sounds good. Well, I have also not had a ton of time. Work has been very busy as of late, but I did stay up late one night and I watched Extro, which is some also alien-related nonsense. It's kind of one of those E.T. ripoffs from the 80s that's British, but this was definitely like, what if E.T. was bad? There is a gif that both of y'all have probably seen that... That is like a car driving down this back roads at night through the woods. And then there's like a weird four-legged long creature on the side of the road that kind of like shuffles off. That's from this fucking movie. Okay, because everyone tries to pretend that, oh, this is evidence of a cryptid, basically, every time I yeah, see that Yeah, no, GIF. that's... That GIF is even, like, edited, so I don't know what people are talking about there, but yeah, that that's from that movie. That movie's fun trash. Show that I would want to bring up that I watched the first episode of that's really fucking hilarious that I want to watch the rest of is Los Espookies, and it's a Spanish-language show that's on HBO right now. And Fred Armisen is one of the executive producers, and he plays a minor character in this show. But it's about this group of 20-something Hispanics that are all, like, gothy into dark shit, into, like, monsters and possessions and horror movies and everything else. And they basically get hired to, like, fake exorcisms or hauntings or whatever. So the first episode is this priest who's like, yeah, there's a new priest that came to our area who's young and hot and everybody likes him and they're forgetting about me. I'm important. So I want y'all to like stage an exorcism that I can come and do to like make everybody like me again. And so it's just them like putting together this homemade exorcism with fog and dry ice and like, you know, this random girl that they grab as part of their friend group playing the character. And then the second episode is them getting a mysterious call from somebody who's like, yeah, this rich guy just died. I want to stage one of those bullshit haunting things where five people come to the his mansion and whoever stays the night gets his fortune but the humor in it is like 
Napoleon Dynamite, Portlandia, and, like, Hot Rod put together, but filtered through, like, Mexican culture, and it's fantastic. It's mostly in Spanish with subtitles, but then there are scenes where they're speaking English and it's got Spanish subtitles, but it's fucking hilarious. Like, I was dying at some of the shit in that show, so that's definitely worth checking out. It's, it's like, 30-minute long episodes on HBO, and I think there's only six in the first season, but it was hilarious. The last thing I want to mention, I've had a little bit of time to kind of read some comics here and there. I picked up a series recently that I heard about through, I think, Shockwaves, maybe, called The Harrowers, which is a Clive Barker comic series. I've never heard of this one. So it's tied into the, like, Books of Blood, that whole universe with Pinhead and the Cenobites and all that. So this is specifically about this group of humans that all get basically tasked by this angelic being to go into hell and pull souls back out of hell. So where the Cenobites are the ones that like come to Earth and are like the middle management assholes that collect the souls and basically assign their sins from there, like assign like whatever their punishment is based on their sins. These people specifically go in to pull people back out that like maybe were wrongly judged or whatever, or that maybe like had their souls traded by some other asshole like unfairly. So it's pretty fucking cool so far. The only thing I'll say is this, and you can disagree with me because you're way more of a comic head than I am. It is definitely that mid-90s Todd McFarland, Rob Liefeld look where like everything is radical and pointy and everybody has giant mullets. The artwork is definitely, like, not my bag because I don't have nostalgia for that style of artwork, but the story is very solid. Oh, I I have nostalgia for that style of artwork, but I can still admit it's fucking awful. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. You and I have had discussions about that. I'm very picky about artwork in comics, and if a comic has bad artwork, it's going to be pulling teeth to get me to actually finish reading it. So, it's only six issues, and I'm through five of them, so I mean, I'm, I'm almost done. But that series is definitely worth tracking down if you can find it. It's on a lot of the subscription services and things like that. Are you still making your way through Swamp Thing, Alan Moore's run? Little by little, I have. I still have not made it to actually Alan Moore's run yet. I mean, that's deep. That's like 60 more issues from where I am right now. But yeah, still going through that. So that's all I wanted to mention this week. Before we start talking about the movie, quick icebreaker. So Night of the Demons is about a group of high schoolers who decide to have their Halloween party at this like abandoned mortuary, like funeral home that is supposedly like possessed. It's kind of funny because it's like a lot of parties that we've been to or that we've thrown where everything is just tacked together and you can definitely tell like we're not supposed to be there maybe, but we are so we make the best of it. So question is, where is the weirdest place you have ever thrown a party or been to a party at? And Evan, we can start with you since you are the guest. Well, I appreciate that, Aaron. And it's going to be pretty quick because I didn't have many friends, so I didn't go to a lot of parties. So (laughs) probably the weirdest one was whichever one I went to with y'all that was like out in the middle of nowhere, Mississippi. And I think that was our 
sophomore year in college, maybe? No, I think this was actually post-college. I think it was our first was year really? out of college. Yeah, Damn. It was uh, our friend Jeff. Yeah, that was either like y'all's senior year or the year after. But that was like the last big group Halloween yeah. we like actually managed yeah. to do before everybody kind of split up. It was after we all graduated. Damn. It's been a minute. I'm just old as shit. Yeah, yeah. It, was, yeah. it was 2012 and it was out in that forest where Jeff was living for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I think that definitely has to take the cake for me at least because uh, I guess the landscape of Mississippi is kind of spread out. So I wasn't totally shocked that we drove for a little while. But then when we basically just weaved our way through trees in the forest and then the house was made of sheet metal, I was like, maybe we shouldn't be here. So <laughs> that was that was probably the weirdest one for me. Yeah, that one was fun. Yeah. I blacked out and that's the only time anybody has ever had to actually drive me home. <laughs> so yay. Yeah, what about you, Derek? So it is kind of a cliche response, but I don't even remember the name of this place. It was someplace either right off of Bourbon or on Bourbon or somewhere in the French Quarter. And Aaron, you might not remember this place, but it was some bar where it was like three levels. The first level was like just a normal dance club. And it was all the same, like apparently the same bar owned by the same people, everything. The first level was like a dance club. The second level was like a heavy metal goth bar. And then the third level was like extra VIP, like... They might be Illuminati having sex with goat masks on sort of deal on the third level. I forgot the name of it, but that room is the one that has the coffin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like That's a very it. small room. Maybe you could fit 50 people at the top. And there's a coffin and like real vampires. <laughs> New Orleans vampires. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not like, oh, I'm a vampire uh, and I have teeth. Like I open people's veins and drink that blood vampires and then they think they have magical powers because of that uh but yeah i've been there i didn't even think of to mention that yep. but that one is weird and That's then when you finally place. walk out of it you have to like walk out of this really small alley yes and it's the only way you can actually yep. get out of the place and when you do you just end up on a street and you look back you don't see the place at all and you're just like where was i it's like walking through another dimension yeah and it's it's kind of one of those places where you really would only know about it as a local or if you knew somebody who was a local, but even then, a lot of locals don't know about it. The dungeon. The dungeon. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So for all those people who are not familiar with New Orleans, actually, and only know about it through pop culture... We're just reinforcing those stereotypes. <laughs> yeah. We're weird as shit. We have vampires. No, and I'm sure there were like weirder places technically that I've walked into either uptown or on Frenchman or Bourbon or wherever, but that's the one that kind of jumped out in my mind immediately. Yeah, so imagine that with people who were like real life living this life and then being there, not dressed overly preppy, but like in khakis and a polo shirt. And then having your brother, who was like frat guy to the max, being like, this is the best party ever, bro. And being in that room. That's my experience. <laughs> I remember one time we went there and it was kind of that hilarious juxtaposition of like guys with long, straightened black hair wearing mascara with like brooches on. But then there were like other guys there who were just redneck as fuck, you know, and they're just like, yeah, I'm here, you know. Uh, drinking blood and shit, you know, just hanging out. You know, it's fun. We're living that vampire life. And then yep. you had the stoner metal guys that were just there because metal, metal yeah. rules. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a weird, weird mixture of people there the time that I went. But, you know, that would be the first time in New Orleans I 
myself stumbled across something like that. I think for me, the weirdest party I've ever been to was when I was in France a few years back. The guy that I stayed with was a professional photographer, and he took me out one night, and we went to some crazy, like, French bar that was kind of vaguely Twin Peaks-themed. Like, there were red curtains, and there were, like, white Grecian statues and marble columns just standing up that people were sitting drinks on. But all the waitresses were walking around with no tops on and slicked back hair and, like, just bow ties and stuff. And there was just loud EDM playing the entire time. That was a strange experience, partly because I was way over my head in terms of not knowing the language and having a hard time conversing with people. But then also just the atmosphere was, like, weird on weird on weird because France. I think the weirdest party that we have thrown in terms of, like, location, the third giant Halloween party that we did during college, we threw that party at this abandoned rental house yep. that belonged to a friend of ours' parents. And the the rental house was, like, still oddly very 70s and 80s decor. Oh, yeah. It was, like, wood panel all on the inside. All the appliances were, like, avocado green, definitely. Yeah, there wood paneling everywhere. But we threw it there because the rental house was just empty. So she, like, managed to, like, sneak a copy of the key, and we went set up the day before, did the party, and it was in, like, a weird part of town where lots of traffic kind of drives by. So we ended up with a shit ton of people at that party that we didn't know, just tons of people walking in. But that one ended up kind of getting pretty ridiculous, and I ended up sleeping the night there with another one of our friends who, like, passed out, so we didn't want to leave him, and we didn't want to, like, just leave this house completely empty. So we slept in that house and it was freezing cold and all we had were these plastic painters tarps to like cover up with because they were already there and we called that room the Dexter room because it was just covered in plastic painters tarp and we put a red light in there. But yeah, that party was pretty wild in like a house that wasn't ours in a neighborhood that was kind of sketch with lots of people we didn't know kind of coming in and out. And just a a weird layout to that house in general because like that living room area into the kitchen and then there was randomly just a washing machine in the middle of it. Yep. And the power was on at that house, but there were no light bulbs. So that worked perfectly for a party because we just got some like colored light bulbs and threw them in and we got like workers lights that we already had and put those up in certain spots and like our regular party lights and strobe lights and stuff. So that that party actually ended up being really damn fun. And oddly enough, there are some people that I'm friends with now completely unrelated to college that were like also there. So there were like lots of weird crossovers when I go back and look at pictures of that party. My wife, Heather, was at that party before like we knew each other to, yeah, that was that was a fun time, but that was definitely like a weird sketch. Like, let's go crash out this abandoned place and throw a fucking Halloween party, just like this movie. And then we followed that up with what Evan said, that our follow-up party was out in the middle of the Mississippi woods yep. off a dirt road and was also really weird. Oh yeah, good times were had by all. So, like every episode, we want to give a special shout out to our friends at Podcoin. Oh wait, Podcoin is no longer a thing. R.I.P. We realized that as we were recording the promo in this episode, because one of us opened the app and it has a big frowny face that says it's shut down. So you will no longer have to hear any promos for Podcoin going forward. I am legit a little bummed out about that because I really enjoyed the app and they were very helpful to our podcast. (laughs) I enjoyed it as well because it was just a convenient way to have all of my podcasts in one place because a lot of them are like on Stitcher, but not on this app. 
and then some of them I can't get on Apple, and some of them I can. It was just nice to have them all in one place, and I was so close to $2 worth of coffee, but I'm never going <laughs> to get it in my PodCoin. Damn. And on that note, listeners, we're now on Spotify, so <laughs> even more options to check out our podcast. Yeah, we are on Spotify. <laughs> so that said, let's go ahead and get started with the movie. So yeah, like we had mentioned earlier, this week we are covering 1988's Night of of the demons a full moon a spooky deserted mansion halloween night all right dudes and dudesses let's party ten kids all they want to do is raise a little hell. Now, as long as they live, they'll wonder what's gotten into them. Night of the Demons. Yeah, so Kevin Tenney, he is mostly just known for doing this series of movies, either writing and or directing. He also did the Witchboard movies and Witch Trap, which is nothing to do with Witchboard, oddly enough. The movie stars mostly a bunch of people who have been on TV stuff, with some notable exceptions that we'll get to in a minute. But yeah, the uh, movie, it's some fun, like, trash. I will not at all go to bat for this and say it's like a lost classic oh my god this movie's amazing but for the Halloween season this is some fun trash to put on with a group especially it just has like the right flavor for the Halloween season matter of fact the original title of this movie was Halloween Party and they were just kind of afraid that they would run into copyright issues so they you know changed it up but honestly like at the end of the day this movie's mostly known for the amazing like makeup special effects that are in it um, which were all done by makeup and effects artist Steve Johnson which Steve Johnson's one of these guys that easily the least talked about of all the like big main staple guys. I think he's super underappreciated of all those special effects rock stars but it's partly just because he doesn't put himself out there as much as Tom Savini or Rick Baker or somebody like that. But he like worked under Rob Bottin and Rick Baker and he's responsible for shit like like he created Slimer in Ghostbusters like that's his baby but his movies include like just to give you an idea The Howling Videodrome and American World in London, Ghostbusters, Fright Night, Big Trouble in Little China, Elm Street 4, Leviathan, The Abyss, Species, Lord of Illusions, The Island of Dr. Moreau, Blade 2, X-Men 2, Spider-Man 2, and until like the mid-2000s, you know, he worked and then has been kind of retired since then. So, yeah, his makeup effects in this movie are great. There's lots of different looks to like the possessed characters and lots of other like fun gags and effects. The movie received just kind of a limited release, which is kind of definitely this the reason why it's still mostly in cult status right now rather than like as a pop culture standard from the 80s so yeah i was gonna ask you this when we were watching it i couldn't tell if this at the time of 1988 would have gotten theatrical release around the halloween season or if like you were saying it was limited so i'm glad you cleared that up i couldn't decide whether or not i thought that this was one that could get away with being in theaters or if it was more just low budget it totally could have like it got a limited release in detroit and new york 
Network. And the movie was made for like $1.2 million. And in just New York and Detroit, which the movie came out around Halloween and literally stayed in theaters through the end of the year, like through Christmas and everything. And it made $3.1 million off just those two cities. So if it had gone nationwide, they think it would have been close to $15 million, which would have put it in like the top grossing horror movies of the decade. So, you know, again, like this movie definitely would have become like a pop culture standard of the 80s most likely had it gotten a nationwide release. But because people didn't really check it out until it hit VHS, um, it kind of stayed where it was and has grown since then in popularity, especially um, in the last couple of years since it's been showing up on streaming networks. And it was one of the first big Scream Factory launches a couple of years ago and the Blu-ray is gorgeous. But yeah, this is one of those movies that like has a fun, trashy kind of 80s vibe to it. Definitely fun to watch this time of the year, which is why we picked it. A lot of the style and even acting, the way the characters were and the way they delivered lines and everything else, almost like that they were caricatures and uh, over the top. It very much was hand in hand with Night of the Creeps, which is funny with having Evan on for this episode, is I just thought of Night of the Creeps the entire time we were watching Night of the Demons and having them both on as like a double feature for like the Halloween season would be a blast, I think. Yeah, there's definitely like some self-awareness and goofiness to this movie for sure, but that's kind of what makes it fun is just that aspect and the fact that it is just kind of all the tropes of 80s horror movies that you know rolled into one movie. And again, just the trashiness. Like, this movie feels like a Halloween store, like, threw up into a movie. Like, you can just smell, like, the spray paint and the rubber, like, stink coming off the set and the props and everything. So it has that, like, fun artifice to it. But it's it's definitely charming in that way, I'll say. Even if the latter half is a little bit dry with people just kind of running down hallways and screaming. Yeah, it's very proto-American pie if it were a horror movie. Yeah, it's a lot of people just trying to get laid at the end of the night. Yeah. So, just like real Halloween. Yeah, exactly. But the cast is, and I'll just list off the names, and Aaron, I'm sure you have way more to say because I didn't recognize a single damn name in this movie. I guess instead of like just listing them, let's just say this. Everybody in this cast, if you want to know like what their bona fides are, TV. <laughs> TV. <laughs> Just yeah. TV. Like, every everybody was basically in TV stuff through the 80s and into the 90s. A handful of the guys in this cast were all consistently on every fucking cop show you can think of. The two people that I would, like, specifically point out... The guy that plays Stooge, Hal Havens, the only thing I'll mention is that he was on, like, an episode of Parks and Rec, apparently, and Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell, which, that's Henry's show... The little brother, Billy, played by Donnie Jeffcoat, is from Gulfport, Mississippi. Is he really? Which is like an hour south of where we went to college. But the two main people I'd bring up, you know, obviously Linnea Quigley. She's kind of the biggest named person in this cast just because of her Scream Queen status. She's been in a shit ton of movies. She was in Savage Streets and Silent Night, Deadly Night. Return of the Living Dead is one of her biggest roles. And then this movie, I mean, you know, this is definitely one of the movies she's known for for because her character is fucking ludicrous in this movie. But the character, the the actress that I do specifically want to talk about for a hot second because her backstory is bananas. Okay. I know. I have it pulled up too, so I know exactly who you're about to bring up. So the character Angela, the main like gothy girl that throws the party, she is played by Amelia Kincaid. 
she started her career working mainly as a choreographer, and then she got into acting, including the movie Girls Just Want to Have Fun with Sarah Jessica Parker. She was also in all the Night of the Demons sequels, right? She transitioned from her short-lived acting career into a writing career. So she writes and does watercolor illustrations for children's books. And she is a psychic animal whisperer with six published books, including Straight from the Horse's Mouth, colon, How to Talk to Animals and Get Answers. She apparently lives with a cat named Aunt Flo, and she is the niece of actress Rue McClanahan from fucking Golden Girls. And apparently Rue McClanahan visited the set of this movie, which is really weird to like think of Blanche like on the set of this garbage movie. But sure. So apparently she still tours the world doing speeches and talks and stuff because she's a fucking animal whisperer. An animal psychic. Yes. A, only, pet, a pet psychic. That only makes her role in this movie more legitimate in my eyes. Totally. Yes. Totally. Yeah. Yes. One of the most ridiculous scenes in this movie that's on Honestly, like, one of the best scenes in this movie is a scene where she, like, just starts fucking dancing in yep. front of the fireplace because apparently that's what a demon wants to do when it takes over a body. But, again, knowing that she, like, had a background as a choreographer and was in one of the greatest movie sequels of all time, Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo. Hell yeah. That totally tracks that she would just, like, stop the movie cold to, like, do a dance number. So, anywho, that's the main actress I wanted to, like, bring up specifically. Oh, but you are forgetting... The best part about her being a pet psychic. In 2002, she was invited to Buckingham Palace to work with the household cavalry of Queen Elizabeth II and to whisper with the hunting horses of Prince Charles. Oh shit, she's part of the Illuminati now. She's part of the Illuminati. <laughs> oh my god. So, yeah, like, good on her, I guess. Yeah. Are you telling me the guy who played Sal, who is the only reason I continued watching this movie, didn't have a career? <laughs> you mean the, like, talking Italian sausage in the denim jacket? <laughs> he was the <laughs> best part of this movie. We'll get to Sal in a minute, but I do love that line later where somebody's like, you know, he's like, we gotta get out of here. This place is spooky. And the girl's like, but you are home, Sal. You're not going anywhere which is normally like where the dialogue would stop but then he has another reply which is hey I don't know about you but like you know this ain't no house that I know of I live in a nice house we got fucking plastic covers on all the furniture yep Sal was literally the true American hero in this oh my god <laughs> and, and yeah he like starts off as a piece of shit and becomes like a maybe okay dude by the end of the movie so yeah but yeah the cast of this like I said they mostly went on to do TV stuff and that that's kind of it, with the exception of Linnea Quigley, and then, of course, the illustrious Amelia Kincaid with her amazing pet psychic career. <laughs> I'm so glad that that's part of this movie's history. So, just a quick run-through through the plot, and we can talk about the fears associated with this movie as we go. Right off the bat, I'm going to say it wasn't that scary. It was more fun. It was more of a yeah, wild, like, totally. wild ride, haunted house sort of thing. There's jump scares, but they're mild, and there's creepiness, but it's mild. The makeup effects are going to be the thing that are going to turn a lot of people off. Like, yeah. if you can't handle gory, gross, pus, monster kind of makeup stuff, then, like, okay, maybe this isn't for you, but, like, the actual horror aspect of this movie is pretty mild. I think in 2019, most people are going to be just offended by, like, Stooge frequently calling every female in the cast bitch over and over and over, like, more than fucking Freddy Krueger. Yep. And, again, Sal just being, like, a walking pepperoni stick, character 
creature of like an Italian. Like there's just the most insane 80s bullshit in this, but the horror angle is not that intense. And I will say that there was like one or two scenes where they were kind of being chased throughout the house by these entities where I did kind of turn to Evan and was like, this shot's a little creepy. Like it's pretty, this there's is pretty cool creepy. shots. Yeah. A lot of the in between like transformation sequences, like when they're not quite demonic, they still look sort of human, but maybe it's something with their eyes or whatever. Some of those yeah. were kind of legitimately creepy looking, especially for how aged this movie is. Yeah. I think the most disturbing stuff is some of the weird shit, like one word lipstick, which we'll get to in a minute. <laughs> yes. Yes. So with that being said, we will start going through this movie. So credits open and immediately we are greeted to three characters, Stooge, Helen, and Roger. Roger is my personal favorite in this movie and they are driving around in Stooge's decorated car and right off the bat, you're already getting the idea of like what kind of person Stooge is, um, what kind of person Helen is and same with Roger and Stooge's car is like decorated. There's like a pumpkin tied to a part of the car. Yeah, it's all like trash punked out. Yeah, like they're riding around. It's Halloween night. There's people in costume walking around and the movie focuses on this one guy who's just carrying groceries walking down the street. Very crotchety old man who's obviously like that old man yells at clouds like fuck Halloween, fuck all <laughs> these kids and Stooge as they drive by shouts out to him and taunts him and goes like happy Halloween and like flashes him with his ass right out of the passenger window and throughout the scene we kind of get a couple false jump scares with this old man it'll show like a camera going towards him as if somebody's about to creep up on him and now we're greeted with Sal scaring and surprising the old man with a fake rat which he just throws a fake rat dangles in front of him yeah Yeah. hey old man you look like rats uh alright see you later rats the scaring shit that was exactly what happened yeah like no rhyme or reason why all of them are just targeting this old man who's just carrying groceries yeah. after Stooge moons this guy he is driving away and he just goes happy Halloween asshole and <laughs> Helen's just like I don't know that wasn't very nice and we get the first taste of Stooge and just goes shut up bitch and that stays consistent through the rest of the movie <laughs> the for the his character movie. yeah I mean it's not just him though because there were multiple times where like Evan and I were like man this movie like all the male characters really just either fucking treat the women horribly or just act like they aren't there at all times pretty, yeah pretty much much, yeah. Which that's the unfortunate symptom of like 80s movies at the end of the day that we're gonna probably see come up quite often as we get into them. Yeah. Going back before like the actual actual movie starts, one thing I want to bring up, the credits, like the opening credits, it's like this cool animated sequence, which I kind of have a soft spot for movies that have a cartoon animated opening sequence like that. There's just something about it that like gets you right in the mood. And I'll say this too, the score for this movie was done by the director's brother, Dennis Michael Tenney, and he did, like, the music for all of his brother's films. The opening theme of this movie is so fucking rad. But 
but the rest of the movie, especially the beginning, is so quiet and, like, empty and devoid of, like, any kind of score, which makes it really awkward. There's lots of long stretches where, like, there needs to be a little bit of music underneath where you're just kind of like, who fucking made this? Like, what are we watching? And even the score on the back half of the movie is just, like, some light synth shit going on in the background. But if the score was, like, as bombastic and fun as the opening number, I feel like this movie would be, like, ten times fucking better because that opening score is so good. Well, a couple of reasons why I didn't even, like, bother bringing up the opening credits is, and they are fun, but one is the score, you're right, is amazing, and then I completely forgot about how great the opening score was because of the rest of the movie. Yeah. Like you just touched on. And then two, while I did appreciate the opening credits, they lasted a little too long. Yeah, yeah. It was literally 20 minutes, and I was like, I don't know if this is a real movie. I think Aaron's pranking us. And it's just an hour of this. Yeah, I, it, at the end of the day, like, if you're going to have an animated opening sequence and you're going to pay somebody to do it, most of the time that animator is going to, like, go overboard to show off and be like, yeah, look how cool my opening animated title sequence is. Please hire me. <laughs> <laughs> Which... I mean, it was kind of shitty animation, but it was tongue-in-cheek. Oh, I loved it. There's, like, something goofy about the style of it and the colors and everything that I liked. It did work really well with the attitude of this movie in general. But, yeah, anyway, going back to the old man. So, after he gets scared with a rat by Sal for no fucking reason, he drops his groceries. And Judy, who happens to be kind of crossing in front of him, stops to help him out. And he just, like, fucking yells at her, basically. Yeah, he's had enough of these damn kids. They'll all get what they deserve. And then he holds up an apple and a pack of razor blades and kind of almost even like looks menacingly at the camera. Yep. Yeah. I love his like moment of staring at the apple and the razor blade in his hand. Like it, imagine like being in this neighborhood where there's clearly trick-or-treaters going around looking at this old guy across the street who's just on his hands and knees with an apple and some razor blades just laughing maniacally at them and like staring longingly at them. <laughs> just screaming they'll get what they deserve. Because <laughs> like the whole fucking street is still packed with people walking around. Yeah. 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 Also, Judy's like the most wholesome girl that's ever lived. So she goes up to him and she's like, oh, gee willikers, mister. I see that you're elderly. That's a shame you dropped all your groceries. Let me pick them up for you. And then he's just like, get out of here, you big old hussy. He basically (laughs) calls her a whore. And she's just like, well, okay. Well, I was just being friendly, you fucking idiot. And this old man comes back at the very end in kind of a weird wraparound that honestly, like... Doesn't make sense. Just cut it from the movie. Like, there's no need. Yep. It's, it's like, out of a completely different movie at the end of the day. I have a hunch, because the movie is, with credits, a flat 90 minutes. I have a hunch that maybe the movie was a little bit under time to be considered a, like, feature. And so they went back and shot all that extra bullshit with the old man to create a wraparound to pad it out to get to, like, the time length needed to be considered a feature film, which could be part of the reason why it, like, got a weird release at the end of the day. Also, the idea of, like, tainted candy is such a fucking thing from our childhood specifically. Yep. That yep. is a thing that our generation, more than any other probably, can relate to a thousand percent. Because it wasn't until the late 70s and early 80s that those kinds of stories were really starting to show up in the media. And by the time that we were young, in the late 80s, early 90s, when those stories had, like, kind of 
cemented into our like cultural mindsets and so that weirdness of eating fucking apples with razor blades and poison candy and all that bullshit is like something we had shoved down our throats growing up that like I don't think anybody even thinks of anymore you know like how often do you hear parents talk about that now now it's more like oh my kid is allergic to gluten you know more than like anything else so my thing with that was always like who are all these fucking kids out here accepting apples for trick-or-treating totally I fucking wouldn't do that who's gonna get kids with fucking apples and if, if you, you know how expensive apples are yeah, as an yeah. adult you realize very quickly no one's going to buy fucking apples and if you're if you, and from the kids point of view if you're getting an apple when you have a whole bag full of fucking candy and one apple you're gonna take that apple and throw it <laughs> like you yeah. are not gonna fucking care about that apple but I mean it also kind of even overlaps a little bit with the killer who was going around putting cyanide or something in Tylenol and yeah. that changed like everything about how Tylenol is packaged yeah. I think that happened in the early 90s which yep. actually when you think about it here's my theory about that whole thing he was a time traveler <laughs> Someone very important <laughs> dies because another person poisons Tylenol. So he kills 10 random people throughout the country so that we have tamper-proof bottles. Now, to follow your insane line of thinking, after he was arrested and in all his interviews that he probably got, did he take this theory and claim that he was a time traveler? Uh, well, they, they never caught him. Oh, I thought uh, they did. Uh, that's what made it so scary was that at the time, and probably still now, even with technology the way it's so advanced now, it's just so hard to track that. So basically, I went to college for business, which was a big mistake, and then I am now a teacher, which was also a big mistake. But anyway... <laughs> uh, <laughs> In one of my, my favorite business classes was business law. So basically, it was this guy who was a professor and a lawyer. And for years, he practiced malpractice suits on big corporations, basically. So anyway, one of the big cases we studied was the Tylenol case. And it was like writing the book on how corporations should handle when stuff is really not good. So Tylenol basically was like, there's no way we know who it is, where they started, because even though they could track where the Tylenol was, there was no way they could guarantee that a person didn't just put a bottle of Tylenol in that store from totally another place. So yeah. basically, Tylenol was like, okay, fuck it. No Tylenol for like a year. Literally stopped manufacturing and redid everything about it, which is when we got our first tamper-proof pill bottles, so that they had a way to say, if this is not right, don't eat this or don't take this Tylenol. And it was basically textbook, that's how you're supposed to, to handle that. And that's Evan's business corner. Yeah, and that's something that, like, we don't even think about anymore. Like, Correct. we just go get it and don't even check the fucking exactly. seals. But there was one time that I did buy vitamins. I mean, so it wasn't, like, medicine, but I got vitamins, and the seal was broke when I got home. And right. I, like, I immediately turned around and returned that shit. Oh, yeah. And since then, I have been checking every single time. And I did that one day when my wife and I were shopping, and she was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm checking these seals. And she was like, they're fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good luck. Let me know how that goes. Evan, can you uh, answer a question about business ethics? Um, <laughs> yes. Oh, um, God. So getting back to uh, Night of the Demons, a real treat of a movie. So after that happens, Judy arrives home, and this is where you find out that her boyfriend, Jay, is coming over to supposedly take her to a school dance. He calls her, tells her that instead they're going to be going to a party thrown by Angela, the quote-unquote 
weird girl at school which is basically just like she's the goth girl yeah she just likes to wear black and yeah it is going to be taking place at a infamous kind of local rundown house called the whole house this kind of brought up memories of high school where there was a rumor that there was an abandoned insane asylum like a couple blocks away from like my parents neighborhood which there fucking wasn't but that rumor went around and that's kind of what i thought about when this all got brought up by the way during the phone call that they're having where he's telling her about the change of plans jay is fucking killing that box of nilla wafers by the way (laughs) midway through the conversation he turns around excitedly and gets that box off his dresser and tears that motherfucker open and is just hitting those like not even with the box like facing the camera to get that product placement going and then when he hangs up he just like bow like puts his whole fucking hand (laughs) in that box he is excited to be eating nilla wafers and that is probably the most enthusiasm that that fucking actor puts into this role for the entire rest of the movie. That is actually how he got paid. They're like, hey, we'll give you a box of cookies. And he was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Make it Nilla wafers and I'm fucking there in the morning. <laughs> and, and to continue with the Porky's mindset that this movie kind of goes on, while she's like changing her clothes to get into her costume, her literal brother in another kind of false jump scare, her little brother Billy jumps out of the closet, scares her, and is just like immediately just like, your boyfriend only likes you because you have such big boobies. Well, he... he compliments her on he's like nice boobs yes yeah, literally says nice boobs sis yeah that's like such a weird thing from the 80s and 90s little brother that's pervy towards sister and that just skeezes me out so fucking hard every time i see it <laughs> there's a whole genre of porn dedicated yeah. to that so they were on to yeah. something so sal now shows up to judy's which let me back up Judy was, like, helping that that old guy out almost immediately after Sal scared him. Why didn't he try and talk to her then? Like, did he just completely miss her just walking right behind him to help the old man out? Yeah. Anyways, he shows up at the house and he's wanting to talk to her and Billy, her little brother, is being, like, a little shithead to him and being like, yeah, like, y'all broke up. The little brother answers the door and is just like, what do you want, lame-o? You can't see my sister's boobies no more. Those are for me. (laughs) Yeah. And I love that he, like, bribes the little brother because he says like they're not going to the dance they're going to a party shithead <laughs> and I love that Sal's just like hey listen here I'll give you a fucking shiny quarter if you tell me where the party is like it's just yep. he is like a fucking silver age Batman villain come to life yep. in the best way Billy's like uh, a quarter what are you joking and he's like alright alright he's a dollar <laughs> yeah, what, what kind of depression is this <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so let me give you a one dollar bill which I imagine in 1980 is still not much of a bribe. I mean, yeah. I guess in 88, you could get like maybe a Coke and a hot dog with a dollar. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah. So then we kind of jump to another scene where we are introduced to Angela and her friend Suzanne and it immediately starts with they're in a convenience store and Suzanne is like bent over looking down at like I think uh, she's looking at like fucking detergent Detergent, she's like literally looking at detergent on the bottom rack of the shelf very very closely (laughs) yeah her ass is like just showing right in front of the clerks and the clerks are these two guys and they're just staring at her ass the entire time meanwhile Angela is in the background of the convenience 
convenience store. She starts like, and she has a sack and she starts just stealing booze, throwing booze in her sack, then just starts randomly grabbing all kinds of random shit. Like she was just like, well, fuck, they're really distracted. May as well go to town. And yeah. the shot follows her through the store and she's just grabbing everything she can off the fucking shelf. And then finally, once she walks out the door, Suzanne's just like, asks the clerk some question and she specifically says, hey, do either of you guys have sour balls? For some reason, the clerk has a southern accent, like a cowboy's <laughs> fucking accent. He's just like, we sure do. <laughs> okay, cool. Bet you don't get a lot of blowjobs. But the like convenience store clerks that are distracted by her ass the entire time. The Asian guy is in Witchboard, which is Kevin Tinney's like, movie before this with fucking Tawny Katayan from that White Snake video. <laughs> so in my head canon, this movie in Witchboard, same universe. I'll also say, too, once they get out to the parking lot with all the stuff they stole, they're kind of talking, and Suzanne is just going on and on about, like, I hope you invited a bunch of cute boys. <laughs> but Angela's motivations are, like, so fucking pure, which is great, because she just replies, of course I did, and we're going to scare the shit out of them. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Angela just wants to have a good time. Suzanne yeah. wants that dick. She needs <laughs> lots of it. And that's what she tries to do, even when she's possessed. Which we'll get to. We're jumping ahead. <laughs> so Jay picks up Judy. There is some awkwardness with the rest of the family when this happens. Billy being a little shit to yeah. his mom. Yeah. Yeah. After that, they pick up two more people, their friends, Max and Franny. And then as they're driving towards the house, it cuts then back to Stooge, Roger, and Helen. It is. It was a little hard at the very beginning of this movie to kind of follow everyone's names and who is what, just because it's like a cast of seven or eight. I guess they're supposed to be high school students, even though all of them look like adults in this movie yeah and anyway they break down on the way to the house and i even turn evan i'm like this is set up for the first death scenes of the movie but yeah because they're like out in the middle of nowhere in like a swampy kind of looking forest area and then judy and jay and and max and franny pass them on the way they're like hey did you break down and they're like yeah we could use some help we need to just change out this tire we don't have a spare can you help and then just fucking drive off and basically leave yeah. them there yeah and this movie does like a smart thing with the casting and granted we are talking about this in audio only format so you're having to think of it in your head go watch the movie but a they do a good job with casting for the most part a pretty like diverse chunk of people in terms of not only like race and gender and all that but like also just body shapes and styles and looks roger is african-american franny is asian but then like the rest of the white characters specifically like stooge is like a big giant fat blonde dude. Angela is definitely the dark-haired gothy girl. Suzanne is kind of the pink blonde bubblegum girl. Judy is dressed up like Alice. And they, and that's the other thing, too. That's the next half is, from a costuming standpoint, they're all dressed in Halloween costumes. So, eventually, you can kind of remember who's who based on oh, this girl's Alice from Alice in Wonderland. This guy is dressed up as a pirate. So, it does a good job of breaking up these ten characters a little bit so that you can kind of tell who's who fairly easily which again it doesn't help you a lot if you're just listening to this podcast but you know again watch the movie well when you watch the movie you know who judy is because she has the nicest boobies her brother says so <laughs> yeah. according to her brother her brother brings it up like three times yep one more thing i want to mention too before stooge and them break down there is a moment where they're driving around trying to find the house and they're looking at this like shitty drawn map but there's one point where stooge just screams turn 
here turn here and grabs the wheel and yanks it and it just cuts to like some completely unrelated footage of that car with clearly a professional stunt driver handling it and it is the most blues brothers oh, yeah. brake drift spin around kind of bullshit yeah, I forgot <laughs> it's about pretty great that. and so as the as judy's car is nearing whole house they start kind of like talking a little bit about the house and its past including that it was possibly a funeral home that apparently necrophilia was committed by the original owner there was a bloody murder of his entire family to the point where like they couldn't even identify everyone because it was just so bloody and all the pieces were hacked up and once they get to the house which this is bananas by the way but max who is dressed as a nurse just starts taking his stethoscope which apparently is a working stethoscope on his costume and goes over randomly to like a brick wall by the house and starts putting his stethoscope around and they're all like kind of like what the hell are you doing and he's just like yeah there's a stream under this property you could hear it through my stethoscope and i do like how you made a note of this aaron that it's Chekhov's underground stream totally totally so a i don't think that's how stethoscopes work and b i think one of the characters even makes a, a mention of like how fucking stupid is it to put a brick wall over an underground stream why why totally yeah again if it were like anywhere near close enough to the surface for you to fucking hear it with a stethoscope you would be falling through the fucking ground into it so yeah, yeah and i think at one point while they're trading rumors about the house they bring up the fact that the stream is there so spirits can't cross over or like they can't cross yeah. over a stream or whatever there's lots of very specific ghost and like possession and spirit lore in this movie that just gets real breezed over real quick running water is something they can't cross later when a spirit shows up they're all commenting on how it suddenly got cold and how it stinks all of a sudden which that's apparently a thing with hauntings and possessions so there's lots of those little details but they're like never explained they're just kind of breezed through with the dialogue yep so as they enter the house it's like very run down cobwebs they find a casket there and and Jay decides that he's gonna climb into that casket and scare the rest of the group when they arrive. But instead, they are surprised by Sal, who is now there and party crashing and Judy's ex-boyfriend. And like, the fucking back and forth barbs they trade at each other is just ridiculous. Yeah. Also too, it, the next scene, like it immediately cuts to like them starting this party and the whole house is decorated with lights. They have a fire going. They put up decorations. Like, they fucking decorate for that party real quick just all of a sudden everybody got there and just like boom this shit's decorated like hours of work done ready to go now let's actually like have this party with 10 people yeah and like the way everyone has acted so far like Stu just specifically but everyone really no way this group even with fucking 10 of them would have been able to get a party decorated and ready to go not even within 5 hours I think well I love too that the whole time everybody's talking up this party and like yeah we're going to this party it's gonna be wild and there's like like the 10 of them so like yep okay that's fun <laughs> when they first get there they go in and jay's like here's the party and <laughs> there's literally fucking nothing it's just leftovers from when all these people fucking died in this place yeah. and he's like it's kicking and that's when i would be like <laughs> see you later <laughs> yeah. this doesn't look fun well and it also add to the fact that a sal wasn't invited b they 
just straight up left three of them on the road, like up the road with a flat. So those three could have very well never shown up to the party. He says they broke down two miles away. So that means that they hoofed two miles. Yes. So it took however long that took as well. Also, yeah. can I point out the massive balls that Sal has in this movie? The fact that he got to this place before everybody. So he's by himself. They make it very clear that they can't see shit because they all have flashlights, which he didn't. So he's in here in the dark by himself and then decides to lay in a casket not knowing if anyone's ever gonna fucking get there. Yeah. Nope. Nope. That would have been a great prank played by the little brother if he was just like, they're having the party at Hull House. You don't have the nuts to stay there, do ya? <laughs> and Sal, being Sal, is just like, oh, I'll tell you what, son, I'm gonna show you a lesson here. And then just goes and, like, stays in that coffin waiting for people all night long. Literally just, like, falls asleep, but he's like, well, yeah. Halloween's over and I didn't see no boobies and uh, yeah. I guess I gotta go home. So, at some point, they all show up and, like you said, immediately the house is just decorated now. They all start dancing. <laughs> I did like how you noted it's awkward, even though, like, they don't think it's awkward. They're all kind of just, like, grooving and they think they're being cool, but as a viewer, it's fucking awkward to look at. Yeah, because it's the handful of them in this giant room. So, it's just this giant empty room with a few people awkwardly dancing for, like, all of 15 seconds. And there are moments where, like, Suzanne is, like, trying to basically, like, right in front of the guy's girlfriends, trying to seduce some of the other guys, like, right in front of them. Suzanne. Yeah, she's constantly bending over yeah. in front of people. Yeah. yeah. 70% of this movie is Suzanne just bending over. Yeah. So. Just what the doctor orders. <laughs> <laughs> As they're doing this, the radio mysteriously dies. And right when this happens, Angela just, oh, we don't have music? Let's make this party really fucking weird. Suggest they do a spooky party game. And Franny out of nowhere recommends that they do a past live seance, which requires a mirror big enough for all of them to be able to look through at the same time. Which, Franny, where did you get this information from? They never explain, but whatever. Then, of course, a weird noise comes from the next room and Stooge and Roger go to investigate it and they find wind up finding a large mirror bringing into the main room. Something that was a little weird about the scene, again, another thing that was kind of like a mild plot hole that they never really resolved is that you hear a noise and in a kind of a false jump scare, Roger comes running out of the room, like scared out of his mind. And you think maybe something happened to Stooge for a, a second until he shows up with the mirror. But Roger is like all of a sudden mysteriously like super scared of everything. Yeah, like what, what completely like spooked the shit out of him in that moment because he was already a little bit scared like and was getting pushed into going into the room but yeah like what did he see that put him over the edge if anything it was never seen a mirror before and he saw the mirror and was like i gotta get the (laughs) fuck out of here so like yeah either stooge like somehow brilliantly scared him in that like five second period to the point where he was silent and not wanting to talk to anyone or he saw a demon everyone is literally joking around they're like let's get the mirror and roger just goes off and crawls into a ball and then they're like okay let's continue (laughs) Yeah, he goes by, like, the fire and is just, like, staring into the fire. (laughs) Yeah, for the rest of the movie, he's just the one asshole haunted, just like, I've seen stuff. This is all real. (laughs) It's all actually happening. And he's, like, the one person who's, like, genuinely freaked out by everything and is, like, level-headed the entire time. I think he brings it up three or four times, literally, that his dad was a preacher, and so he knows the evil in this house. Yeah, because later when he suggests that they pray, he was like, we should pray. My dad taught me how to pray real good. <laughs> yep. Which is why I absolutely hate his character. My dad taught me to pray real good. What the fuck is this? <laughs> 
So as they're doing this, they even mention that what will happen is you will see the mirror and if everyone stares at long enough, the mirror will disappear. Like it'll just become dark and then it'll show you your fate or it'll show you like who you'll be in the future or something. So as they're doing this, like all of them are kind of sitting crowded right in front of this mirror. Roger's kind of just staring at the fire, freaked out. They're doing it and like, yeah, all of a sudden the mirror just goes blank. It goes black and even one of them makes a comment about it. So all of them are seeing the mirror go from perfectly reflecting them to just going black and what I would think would be a paranormal miracle which would freak me the fuck out and send me screaming out of the house. They're all just like, it is. It's turning black now. It worked. It worked. (laughs) And Sal makes some comment and interrupts the process like everyone kind of looks at him for a second. Well, that's what happens. Sal literally just goes like, oh shit, holy fuck, it worked. (laughs) (laughs) And so they all kind of like look at Sal like tell him to shut up and then Helen looks back and sees the face of a large bony demon and then what appears to be her bloody face slam into the mirror and she freaks out. That was probably like the first I guess sort of legitimate jump scare in this movie. Also the first glance of the demon you get three more looks at it. I couldn't be scared because it looks like Shinron from Dragon Ball Z. So It just looks like the cover to Ween's The Mollusk. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just looks like you took a bunch of seafood trash left over from like a crab shack and just mushed it all together and put it on someone's head. This is the wise dragon. That's all I think of. <laughs> I will grant you your wish. And <laughs> it looks like a Skyrim dragon fucked a crab. Like, yeah, it really, <laughs> it really does. But yeah, so you see that, which you're right, isn't scary. But then you see her bloody face slamming the mirror, which was a little creepy. Yep. And then the mirror kind of starts tipping over. And so they all like back up out of the way and the mirror just straight up falls over and breaks. And as this happens, then the group starts hearing like thuds from below somewhere in the basement and we are then treated to down below in the house there's the cremation furnace and the camera kind of like comes up to it the furnace opens you see the bone demon that looks like a shitty dragon yeah there's like a quick subliminal flash of it kind of like pazuzu and the exorcist yeah yeah after it opens and then which i did like this part i thought this was like a pretty effective thing for a horror movie where the camera acts as if it's the demon itself crawling through the house like running through the house to like attack them the camera goes from there and it goes all the way up through all the hallways and then into the main room where they are and then it flashes back to the group as they're trying to figure out what the fuck's going on and on that note i'm glad you like that shot because guess what it's done way fucking better in all the evil dead movies which (laughs) is what this movie is like totally ripping off is that whole like you know handheld camera zooming really quickly with like a uh, like moaning underneath it to make you think it's demon vision or whatever but to back up real quick one other shot that i did actually like before we pass it up when the mirror breaks there's a great shot of like all the mirror shards all over the ground with all of them standing around staring at them and it's definitely like an optical effect where they superimpose footage of them standing around onto the pieces of glass but that's like a really cool shot that i dug but yeah the like demon vision is totally something that they're ripping off from evil dead so i'm glad you like it because you haven't seen that movie yet and i'm excited to get to that one eventually yeah absolutely and it's funny too because like the demon is obviously still kind of looking at each of them as it enters the room and then everyone is commenting about like how it's suddenly really cold and it smells like shit in the room. So that's like back to like the demon and ghost lore I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And so as this is all happening, Suzanne opens her mouth while she's putting on lipstick and the camera kind of zooms into her open mouth and she is now possessed. And that's not the last time she opens her mouth. (laughs) Hey! So Angela truly believes what is going on is not a haunting and whole house isn't a haunted house but it instead is a 
possessed house, which I yeah. say any good paranormal expert would say, what the fuck is the difference? <laughs> anyway, but the difference, at least in this movie, is that a haunted house only contains the ghosts of humans, whereas a possessed house only contains like raw, evil, force, demon, whatever, the opposite of all things good that's never been part of the human world at any point. Roger, who's still fucking scared and disturbed by all this, basically was like, all right, I'm done. Like, we all need to get the fuck out of here. Let's go. And Helen agrees with him. Suzanne, whose voice and everything, like her whole demeanor on completely changes. Like her voice is now a lot deeper, just very much more aggressive, but also... She's like more stern and commanding now. Yeah, yeah. she throws the keys to Angela's car at them and basically says like, you know, get the fuck out of here if you're, you're going to be wimps about it. After that, all the couples decide they want to go off for quote-unquote privacy. They're going to go explore. Yeah. We're going to go like find something cool to get into. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah your little brother Billy tells me you got nice movies. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as they're doing this, Suzanne declares that she's going to go to the bathroom and take Stooge with her, which even Stooge is now like... He's kind of surprised, surprised by it. It's yeah. like yeah. even Sal is kind of like, wait, you're taking him over me at one point. Wait, what's going on here? I'm sick. Yeah, you could take the stooge. <laughs> and as they're doing this, she kisses Angela on the way, passing some of the evil force, demon, whatever, onto Angela, thus possessing her. And then, like, she even looks back at uh, Stooge at one point. She's just like, I like it both ways. Is that going to be a problem? And Stooge's like, whatever floats your boat, baby, or whatever. You fucking yeah, and sucks. of course, fucking Stooge and Sal are both just looking at them, kissing each other, and just, looking at each other and, like, eyebrows going up. Yeah. Yeah. But you're g- 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 girls. <laughs> so her and Stooge leave to find the bathroom. And then she just goes in the bathroom and just slams the sh- door like shut in Stooge's face. And Stooge is just like, I thought we were going to go in together. While that's going on, Roger and Helen are outside trying to find the gate that they went through with their cars to enter the courtyard of this of this house. And all of a sudden, there's no more gate. It's all just the brick wall. And as they're talking, like, and Roger's freaking out more, he starts like, trying to feel against the wall he kind of turns his back from helen and then he hears something turns back around and helen's no longer there she's just mysteriously disappeared and i think he even hears someone whispering his name like roger blah 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 yeah. you should come back to the party so he freaks out runs stangel's car and just locks himself in the car i love this scene too where they're like trying to find the gate because roger is hugging the wall he is like standing six inches from this wall pounding his fists on the wall and screaming that he can't find the game. It's like, dude, back up. Yep. Take yeah. a few steps back and just look down the length of the wall. But he's like face up on the wall, just be like, I can't find the gate. <laughs> yes. Literally just keeps tapping the bricks. He's like, it was here, but now it's just bricks. <laughs> like, oh man, yeah. we're all screwed if Roger's the smartest of this group. Yeah. Just step back like 10 feet and look to the left <laughs> and then look to the right. So the two couples split up to find like their own spots around the place. Jay starts kind of coming on her. They start kissing, and but he wants to like take it a step further and she keeps telling him to slow down and he starts getting frustrated and kind of talk back and forth and at one point he says like well yeah like you dated Sal and like 
you know, it's just kind of news around school that like you and Sal, you know, and she's just like, wait a minute, you're dating me just because you thought you could just bang me because apparently you thought I slept with Sal. And he's like, well, did you? And she's like, it's none of your fucking business. And she turns down like all sexual advances. And then he leaves her. He storms out of the room. And granted, this is a morgue area or maybe an area where you do an autopsy. He storms out of this room, shuts the door, and she's locked in the room. And I know it probably was the house itself doing this, whatever evil force locking the room. But I'd like to think that Jay is a big enough of a jerk off that he locked her in this room because she wouldn't bang him. Probably so. Now stay in that room until you're going to touch my (laughs) BP. So as they're doing this, we go back to Suzanne and she's in the bathroom and like Stu just right outside and still like kind of bang on the door. You start seeing her face morph while she's like looking in the mirror. It's pretty cool effect. Kind of creepy. Then it shows Stooge out in the hallway again and he hears the mirror break. So he like shoulder checks the door open and finds that Suzanne is just no longer there. And I love that his response was just, oh, well, and like closes the door behind him to, I guess, go to the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like, well, that's weird. And then closes the door. I was like fully expecting him like when he turned around for her to be behind him and just fucking own him. But anyway, and then the next scene is arguably the most memorable scene in this movie. It goes back to Angela and Sal and Sal's just sitting in the corner watching her and drinking and she just does an insane dance number in front of the fireplace while he's kind of both confused but then like mesmerized as she's doing this. Yeah, she's kind of acting weird on the other side of the room and he's like, hey, what you doing over there? You acting kind of weird. And of course she like starts bending and writhing around and finally starts dancing and then yeah, the lights start to kind of flicker and then the jukebox kicks on again with like a fucking rad song by Bauhaus by the way. Yeah, it's uh, called Stigmata Martyrs. Stigmata Martyrs, yep. Look to your crimson orifice and holy remembrance in scarlet bliss. Yeah, that's a fucking great song. Yeah, I I shazammed it while the scene was going on because I didn't recognize the song and I added it to my library on Apple Music because I dug the fuck out of that song. Yeah, I have a feeling that because she was a choreographer and of course you know she like put together this dance number and I wouldn't be surprised if she like kind of said, hey, I want to do a dance number in the middle of this movie to like show off my shit. Oh, she definitely did. She probably also picked the song too because that is the only like actual song that they probably had to pay to get rights for because all the other songs that you hear were all done by Dennis Michael Kenny. It was like his band. So that was the only like actual song in this movie and that they probably paid some money to get the rights for. She's just flailing around doing this insane dance and it is definitely the most memorable part of the movie because that song's great and the strobe lights are going and she's genuinely like a good dancer and the scene's real sexy the way it's set up. That's definitely like the most memorable yeah. scene in this movie for sure. Well and it's 
pretty it is pretty effective like in a horror movie because it's really fucking weird but sexy at the same time yeah and it's like the perfect union of that i guess it's also one of those good scenes where like it kind of slowly starts to lure you in and ramp up and then it starts to get weird and then it finally like culminates in this really insane like blah now the shit's like finally gone to hell kind of you know moment in a minute yeah so while this is kind of like all reaching the climax but stooge suddenly <laughs> appears and sal is just like yo stooge angela's acted real fucking weird over there and when we say stooge suddenly appears like he literally like blink edit cuts yes. into the frame and just appears all of a sudden <laughs> and angela basically easily entices stooge who's just really just at this point wanting to get his dick wet yep and, and sal's like i don't know dude like for real she's not acting normal <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's all kinds of spooky i'm gonna get out of here <laughs> yeah so he leaves and stooge is just like well i'm gonna make out with you now so they start kissing and of course angela rips his tongue out while she's kissing him just not only his tongue just it almost seemed like she ripped his entire mouth and like that whole area of her face of his yeah. face like she's just like chewing on his mouth yeah. basically yep. so then as sal's running around he finds suzanne in a nearby room and suzanne has <laughs> lipstick drawn all over her face and basically does like that whole do you think i'm pretty kind of <laughs> yeah. number and he's just like i'm going now you're crazy yeah. then that's the scene where he brings up the like furniture covers because yeah you know she keeps saying demon shit and he keeps replying back with the most goofy brooklyn nonsense because she'll say like do i look pretty now and he's like look you're a pretty girl but let me tell you something you acted kind of weird i don't know <laughs> yeah. like pretty girls don't do weird things to like you don't get the guys to like them you know blah blah and then you're gonna live in this house forever no not this house this house is really nice i don't know about you but i like a house with some nice like plastic covers on the furniture just his fucking goofy ass throwing all her demon nonsense back at her and he's just and then yeah finally he's just like i'm gonna get out of here yeah literally yeah. the hero of this movie <laughs> the best character in this whole fucking movie like she is just trying to purposely say this shit to be like i'm gonna freak this human out and sal's like yeah you kind of weird i'm gonna yeah. go now yeah my uncle gino told me about girls like you <laughs> you know and uh and then suzanne in another relatively memorable scene tears open her shirt takes the fucking lipstick just starts drawing circles and spirals on her boobs and then it all accumulates with her taking the lipstick and shoving the entire fucking thing like into her nipple through her nipple inside of her until it disappears like what the fuck is happening yep so another fun story there clearly that makeup effect is pretty easy to parse if you think about it for 30 seconds because it's just a fake chest and then like her actual head and arms behind it right so she's drawing on this fake chest and then there's like a little slit on the nipple that she like shoves the lipstick through yeah so Linnea Quigley married the makeup effects guy Steve Johnson and they were married for like two years and they met on this movie and literally the first time he met her was when he had to do her body cast to make the like fake chest piece and so they literally met with her getting topless and him like rubbing the like gel and all the like plaster and stuff on her to make this makeup effect and they got married for like three years so good on them so after this happened jay now walks in on her and they both start making moves on each other immediately jay's frustrated with judy and she's obviously trying to seduce somebody to fucking murder him so that goes pretty quick yeah that that goes pretty 
quick. Uh, Literally, she's like, hey, uh, did Judy touch your pee-pee? Because no. I will. And he's like, okay. <laughs> okay. So then we cut back to Sal. He goes back into the room that Angela and Stooge were in. Stooge is no longer there. He sees Angela sitting in front of the fireplace, and she turns around and is like, I'm just warming my hands by the fire. And like, holds, <laughs> holds up her hands that are literally on fire. She had them in the fire. And I think at this point, her eyes look kind of demonic or something. Yeah. This is kind of when she starts going full demon. And, yeah. and like a Scooby-Doo character, he's like, zoinks, I'm out of here. You're yeah. crazy broad. So this is when there's a lot of scenes that are kind of the same thing where one or two characters will be like running around away from Angela or Suzanne specifically. Yeah. In like the last two or three minutes, we've specifically said, Sal goes to this place and then Sal leaves. Yep. And then Sal shows up at this place and then Sal leaves. <laughs> yep. That's what a lot of the rest of this movie just ends up being is people running through hallways from room to room to room. The jump scare, jump scare, run, 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 jump scare, jump scare. Yeah. So it cuts back to Roger first. He's still hiding in the car and he gets awoken by a shaking and then looks out the windshield and Helen's bloody face splats like right in front of him looking like she did in the mirror and he leaves the car freaking out and I think he even hears his vo- like another voice telling yeah. him to come back to the house again. Then we go back to Jay and Suzanne who start having sex which during this time Suzanne just goes full demon on him and gouges his fucking eyes out. That's a pretty good effect. The eyeballs yeah. like exploding. Yeah. She's like you don't think I'm pretty and he's like what the fuck are you talking about? And she's like you just don't think I'm pretty enough and he's like no 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 you're totally pretty let's continue and then she just starts absolutely pushing his eyeballs into his face. And the 12 year old and me then turned to Evan when this was happening and said doesn't matter had sex. Yep. <laughs> so then Max and Franny we finally get cut back to Max and Franny who I honestly had forgotten were in this fucking movie until the scene and they are having just sex like straight up in an open casket she's riding on top of him and as this happens Stooge who's now possessed comes out of nowhere like his fucking mouth is hanging out and he just like walks up to Franny breaks her neck and like her body falls on him and he starts screaming and he's like no wait Stooge don't do it don't do it and he starts just like slamming the coffin down on him and Max's arm just somehow gets cut in half and severed. Max's arm was like hanging outside of the casket to begin with trying to stop Stooge but Stooge just slammed the lid on his arm and just kept going until the arm just like fell off. Which I was like okay that's how his arm came off but then apparently he just fucking died from that which I mean I guess he bled out was the theory. Probably yeah. Yeah. And so one thing too when we say that people are possessed this goes back to like the really good makeup effects because they become grotesque like actual like demonic looking with sharp teeth and like colored contact lenses and their hair goes all wild their skin goes all pale and veiny and with weird like pus pock marks and scars and all that kind of stuff all over them so they they really do look horrific once they're like you know possessed by the demon well and also too is something i wanted to note is that really the only two that look at least halfway intelligent demon form 
are Angela and Suzanne, whereas anyone they kill almost become kind of like mindless zombie demon looking. I think the only three that get possessed are Stooge, Suzanne, and Angela, because the rest of them like all come back as reanimated corpses, but not yeah. necessarily like demon possessed. Yeah, but even then, like Angela and Suzanne, they talk throughout this entire movie, whereas I think Stooge, Stooge might make... just kind of mindless. Yeah, yeah, Stooge might make one comment, or, and I think maybe Jay, when he shows up again as like a mindless corpse, makes a comment. Yeah, he's more a brute than anything. Yeah, but other than that, yeah, Stooge just kind of goes around and like wrecks shit. So eventually, like, while everyone's running around, Sal and Roger meet up in the, somewhere in the hallways. They break Judy out of her room that she was trapped in, and immediately are chased by a possessed Angela into the room where Suzanne and Jay's dead bodies are and Suzanne immediately attacks them and Falcon punches Sal through a window while Judy and Roderick split up and run back through the maze of hallways and this is kind of where like Sal starts to become like eh, we keep joking about him being the hero of this movie but this is when he yeah. does actually start to like turn around from being just completely a douchebag to being a douchebag who's at least trying to help his friends yep. so he like goes to fight Suzanne in that moment and she she, like you said, just falcon punches his ass through a window. So yeah. this is one of my favorite parts of the movie as well. So he goes through the window and then some other shit happens and they like run through the hallway. But then they go back to Sal and he's like in this random chimney looking device. It's like between the walls. Yeah, even though it was a fucking window. Yeah. Anyway, he looks around and literally says out loud to himself, oh, that's why she put me down here. I can't get out. Like, literally, I was like, what? Oh, God. Yeah, and then he looks up and sees the fucking rain pipes and, again, aloud to no one but himself <laughs> says, thank Christ for water pipes and, yeah. like, starts climbing. Yeah. Well, and also, because uh, during these scenes, it'll show as a character's running through a hallway away from one of them, like, it'll show specifically Angela, but also sometimes Suzanne, like, them in de full demon form coming after them. But there were a couple shots of Angela in full demon form, like, chasing after them where she's almost like floating like it's obvious that she was on like a cart or something that was being pulled yeah, they're like pulling her on a dolly or something yeah and the camera's just only facing like her torso up and she's like making these haunting like hand gestures like she's coming after them and i did at one point say to evan like this is legitimately some creepy shots because like her eyes are almost pupilless and she has fangs and like you were saying is super grotesque and she's just like kind of floating uh, floating and not really making that much noise and just kind of coming after them in like a it follows type of manner and another thing too about like people when they are possessed in this movie or become like their slaves it also kind of reminded me of the demons that were in the sentinel a little bit a little just bit that yeah. really grotesque instead of oh i'm demon form i have a uh, black eyes now like no they just turn into monsters yeah so they, they're attacked and like sal gets fucking falcon punched and at one point as they're being chased judy ends up in in that room where max and franny's dead bodies were and they all of a sudden spring back to life and attack her and she gets chased eventually getting up to the roof sal also gets up to the roof they're both attacked by angela and kind of like another jump scare angela and sal fall off the roof and in what was the most tragic part of this movie <laughs> sal is impaled on a fence post and yep. dies the hero falls yep the hero literally falls. as judy's like holding on for dear life she's also then attacked by stooge and angela who's survived her fall and is now back up and roger's on the ground convincing Judy to jump down to him so he can like maybe catch her or break her fall and they kind of go back and forth and finally she does she just like finally just can't hold on anymore falls down falls on top of Roger and like we keep joking about what do they do 
they just run right back in fucking side yeah. and run through a bunch of hallways and eventually like end up in the basement where the cremation furnace is but it's just lots of running back and forth and back Correct. and forth and back and forth but we skipped one of the best lines in the movie so on the roof Sal when he gets thrown off is impaled and when Judy falls off she like falls into Roger's hands Angela jumps down and she's like you don't want to stay Sal decided to stick around and then it shows Sal's <laughs> body as he's impaled on the tombstone it says Sal whatever his last name was died tonight yeah. <laughs> it was great born 1970 yeah. died tonight <laughs> yeah and then at one point i think she makes like enjoying the view yeah right but when one-liner. she gets up there at first when they're still both up there she's just like enjoying the view and it's yeah. great and as the one-liners are fantastic before they get to the furnace too as they're running around and like jump scare running around getting attacked jump scare i think at one point too like this also shows jay is now reanimated he says to the viewers just like nice to see you again judy and like his eyes are no longer... No, 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 no. It's even better than that. So, he attacks Judy, she runs away, and then Angela, again, queen of one-liners, is like, what's the matter, Judy? Not enjoying your blind date? Blind date, that's (laughs) it. The blind date. So, it wasn't Jay. Yeah, you're right. The blind date line from Angela is even better. So, yeah, they get to the furnace. They're kind of cornered, because now Stooge and Angela are banging on the door, taunting them. Somehow, one one of those moments of just, oh, we just know things now, Judy comes to the conclusion that they have to stick it out until dawn because all these demons will go back to hell only after Halloween. They can't go back to hell during Halloween. Yeah. She keeps saying like, they can't go back to hell. Yeah. They can't. They keep saying they can't. And it's just like, the fuck are you talking? Where are you getting all this yes. from? Okay, like sure. Like she's all trying right. to decipher a constructed response on a fucking exam. Like they can't yeah. go back to hell. What can they do? How do I process this? <laughs> so in another brilliant plan, which in no way would work in real life, they open up the furnace and Judy breaks off a gas pipe and has a lighter on her from earlier in the movie which was also another Chekhov's gun like totally. way in the beginning of the movie yep. like with the lighter because like they highlight her taking the lighter and putting it in her pocket anyway she pulls out the lighter and as Angela and Stooge break through the door she fucking turns on the lighter and blows them away with a makeshift flamethrower from the pipe furnace that's still blowing gas which in reality would have just exploded Thank the you. entire Thank you. fucking block I told that to Derek, I was like, well, I guess in reality that solves the problem, because yeah. you'll just get exploded, but continue, Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, the entire edge of town exploded tonight. <laughs> and then at one point, she's just asking Roger to help her because she can't control it. Turn the valve because I can't do it. So he goes over and turns the valve and they're attacked randomly by, like, a skeleton hand, yeah. which yep. that's <laughs> never explained. So they run out of the basement from there where there's... No, 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 no. Roger runs the fuck out of the basement and leaves Judy for, like, the 15th time. Yeah, yeah. And, and to your point earlier, Evan, I do like, this is the scene where he was just like, we just need to pray. My dad taught me how to pray real good, and she was like, um, I'm gonna fucking rip a goddamn (laughs) gas line out of this furnace to blowtorch these demons. I would rather do that. Thank you. Are you sure you don't want to pray real good? Because that's what my dad taught me. Yeah. Yeah. So they're stopped once again by now Jay's reanimated corpse, and (laughs) Angela, who's fucking burned, like, half her body
body's now burnt and that that's when the glorious line i think of blind date yeah, for angela yeah. comes out and roger just yeets out of a window just fucking <laughs> yeah. just like yes fuck i this. do love it. he's just like you're not gonna get me and just takes a fucking running leap and like full body smashes through a front window because all the windows are like boarded up all around the house and that was sal's thing earlier he was trying to get through a window because he was like there's no fucking bars on this window and he gets punched through the yeah. window and then but yeah roger is just like fuck it and just jumps full body With through like, the front of no the house warning at all yeah. like no cornered and he's he literally he's like you're not gonna get me and then jumps out of the fucking window and then i like, like it's a cartoon i like how the camera then took the care to show that see he isn't impaled like sal was because then he immediately gets up and like dusts himself off he's like oh i'm fine yeah he actually says like oh that worked i'm yeah. alive yeah and then he finally turns around and is like hey judy come climb through the window save yourself now so judy climbs through the window and they're they're running and they make their way to the wall that's surrounding the property and realize they need to cross the underground stream to escape but since the it's this wall and the gate has disappeared they decide that they need to climb up the wall and as this is happening all the other characters who are dead reanimated possessed whoever all of them start attacking them at the wall and this was kind of like a little bit of a brutal scene for a different reason because they use barbed wire yeah this hanging barbed wire that's just over the wall to climb up it so like it's showing their hands getting fucking just all cut up as they're climbing it roger makes over the wall at first kind of falls over on the other side and judy's on top of the wall and like the demons grab her at one point angela grabs her with her charred hand and starts burning her leg and you think she's about to get pulled down and then finally roger comes back up the wall and like helps her get over and they barely Which, make it over how did he get back up on the wall again I, yeah. yeah this was just one of those moments where it was like i think this ending doesn't work we need to reshoot some shit correct oh we have a day this is the best we could come up with yep also in real life if i was roger at that moment when i actually jumped off the wall when i hear judy going help help on the other side i'm just like what's that judy run away save myself you got it and i'm fucking yeah. out of there as yeah. much shit as we're giving roger they were also giving him shit earlier in the movie for being the only person that was like i don't like this we need to get out of here yep. so now he's the person that gets over the wall i've been like See ya. Yep, no <laughs> shit. Talking shit earlier. Guess what? <laughs> I'm the one that got out. Bye. Well, devil's advocate for a second. Judy was the only one who didn't treat him like an asshole because Judy was pure and wholesome to everybody. So sure, I can kind of okay. understand why he like stuck around to try and help her. True. She was like, he redeemed his cowardice from the eight times he just ran away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they fall over and on the other side, they're both on the ground and they just start hearing everyone on the other side of the wall start screaming and you just start seeing this smoke rise that they all like melted away and then and all of a sudden they see the head of that bone dragon demon Shit, thing yeah, over the wall just screaming and get sucked back into the whole house basically it'll just kind of like zoop and it's the, just gone and the way that the other characters disappear again makes me wonder if the entirety of this little last scene was just like a complete oh shit the ending we had didn't work or we just didn't have an ending we didn't write an ending so we gotta figure something out because all the like other demon or like reanimated characters they literally just get enveloped in a bunch of smoke and then they all kind of start doing and like yep. crouching down as if they're melting into the smoke dot 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 and that's it they so like, okay like, all right we gotta fix this so uh yeah i'm gonna throw some green smoke bombs and y'all gonna like shake and stuff yeah either either that or like you know there was supposed to be a big effect sequence where like all their heads explode or something like that and then finally they were just like yeah we don't have the budget for that sorry yeah <laughs> so 
it's shown that like the sun is now out and we cut back to the neighborhood. I do like how the camera starts like at Judy's burnt leg and zooms up and goes over both Judy and Roger and they're all like fucking bloody and beat up and like their costumes are torn and they're just dragging themselves in a daze back home like holding each other's hands and that's about it. And they pass the old man from the beginning of the movie and he yells at them for like being out too late and making a mess of themselves and goes back inside like y'all both were saying this scene is almost like it belongs in a different horror movie yeah it's completely unrelated to everything else he's like all crotchety and he sits down his wife's like serving him coffee and like she gives him a piece of pie for breakfast and he starts eating it and she's just like you like it are you enjoying it? he's like yeah yeah it's good she's like yeah i made it from the leftover uh leftover apples and he's like the leftover apples and he starts choking and go blah, blah, blah. and like the fucking razor blades <laughs> just like kind of come out of his throat he starts bleeding everywhere and then his head just falls over into the pie and his wife just walks in the kitchen like standing over him acting totally like la 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 and it's just like oh honey yeah you're enjoying the pie i made it especially for you and like kisses his head as his like his dead head's just on the pie yeah and she's like happy halloween dear yeah yeah again like the logistics of that okay so she made a pie with the apples that had razor blades okay if she did that on purpose let's run with that the old man still sat there and ate the whole fucking piece of pie with whole razor blades in it somehow swallowed the whole razor blades and then all of a sudden was like oh wait razor blade apples and die and to make it even more confusing because again we're just talking about it so you can't actually see but i bet some people are like well, maybe the movie's trying to tell us that, like, the demon's alive and it's in the old man's life. But there is no indication at all no, that she is all. involved in any of this shit. Literally murders her husband and is just like, <laughs> YOLO. That's yep. it. Yeah. But up, but up. But up, but I read on Wikipedia that, like, in the sequels of these movies, Angela comes back and is the main villain for the whole series. Yeah. Like, possessed Angela. So, eh? Yeah. How do they explain, like, how she's back in the other movies? Or? So, I'll be honest, I do not have a long history with this movie personally. I only saw it a few years back, right when Scream Factory put out their Blu-ray of it. And at the time, I was like, completely like, oh God, Scream Factory is amazing. All these titles are putting out are great. So I checked it out, kind of sight unseen. And, you know, it's fun. Okay. I have not seen the sequels. So I have no idea about the sequels. Like, you know, I, I didn't watch these movies growing up. I definitely definitely remember seeing the boxes for these movies at the VHS rental places that we went to growing up because I remember like Angela's demon face front and center on the box and that was definitely one of those like oh god I'm never going to get away with renting that and taking it home so again like I didn't watch these movies growing up necessarily but I've I've never seen the sequels I'm kind of surprised that Amelia Kincaid came back for them because she doesn't have much of an acting career past this movie because she goes on to be a fucking animal psychic so I haven't seen them. I have no idea if they're any good. I know a lot of people apparently like the second movie, but I have no idea about them. Yeah, and I saw that they remade this one back in like, what, 20? There was a remake in 2009. 2009. I watched a few minutes of it for this episode just to see out of curiosity. I didn't even really get far enough to like have an opinion on it because it was just cringy mid-2000s edgelord kind of remake and it it was not my thing after just a couple of minutes and I turned it off. So 
I don't have much to say about it either. Uh, all I know is that uh, Lydia Quigley made a cameo in it as a ballerina. Ah, okay. So, what is the scariest thing that actually happens in this movie? And just to start, I think my answer is, going back to our conversation about the fucking tainted medicine and tainted candy and apples, that might be the most scary real-life fear that we can really associate with this fucking movie, because that permeated our childhood so hard. But everything else in this movie is just, eh, that's fun, but, like, I ain't scared by any of this, so... Well, if, it, if we're going with, like, I guess, sort of real life horror i mean it, it does the same thing that every other fucking 70s 80s like slasher film horror and all these do is just yeah if you're a shitty teen you get murdered by demons yeah <laughs> but as far as my own personal i guess the scariest thing in this movie were honestly again like the shots of angela kind of coming after them as like this spectral force like she looks more like a ghost than a demon in those shots so you're you're more just scared by like how evocative the image is not necessarily like the underlying like causation or anything yeah exactly just just the image of yeah. it that was just well done i thought and creepy if we were going by like the underlying i guess fear of it again it would i'd be the same thing it's just like the idea of tainting something that is otherwise like totally normal or wholesome like candy or apples or whatever well two things that were scariest for me were the lipstick into the whole boobie that's by far the weirdest fucking yeah. thing that happens in this movie yeah if i witnessed that i'd be like uh i'm no longer turned on i was you were being creepy but you were still kind of hot and now I know something is not right and then the fact that Sal being the hero but also being the comic relief gets absolutely fucking owned because if I was in a situation like this comedy is my only hope and I'm just gonna make fun of shit the whole time and hope that that sees me through <laughs> but it didn't work for Sal and yeah I guess there's no like trying to like get the demons to like yuck yuck enough yep. to be like you're good we'll yep. leave you we'll come back to you later <laughs> if they could only understand this next bit then they'll let me out of this <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and if we want to be really up our own asses as a movie podcast, we could say that this is all about the horrors of underage sex and teens being perverted into demons, <laughs> which I'm being totally facetious here. Yeah. Like back to what I mentioned earlier about this movie, just being all of those fucking 80s horror movie tropes just rolled up into one ball. It definitely has that angle. It has that same slasher movie angle of like, look at these characters that were drinking and having sex and now they are all dead. <laughs> Even the handful of like one or two songs that they play like while they're partying or when the Angel's doing the crazy dance number where it's like either punk or straight metal or just gothy in general. It's almost like a little bit of a touch of like satanic panic in there of just yeah. like, yeah, are these weird gothy kids. This leads to horrible shit. And that works for some of the characters like, you know, obviously Stooge is like a punk and he's just generally a dick to everybody, right? So like, okay, we can understand when he gets his comeuppance, but, like, Max and Franny seem totally fine, you know? Like, they didn't transgress really at all. I mean, they seem like a couple in a committed relationship probably more than anybody else in the movie, you know? So, like, the fact that they had sex, whatever. There's nothing that they, like, transgressed about, per se, you know? Honestly, I think the only knock was against Max at one point. Suzanne, like, distracts him right in front of Franny. But other than that, like, yeah, you're right. They're just nothing else. They're just there. Yeah, again, this is like a, a fun one to throw in, but as far as like real world scares, I don't give this a whole lot of points for that per se, but this is just kind of a 
good, fun warm-up for the Halloween season, for sure. Um, it's definitely fun to watch with a group. It is ludicrous in terms of its 80s-ness and its over-the-top dialogue and characters to where you can definitely have fun, which, you know, clearly we all did. But it's definitely just kind of one of those fluff movies when it comes to actually having an impact on your psyche and your actual fears and keeping you up at night, etc. You know, unless you're like a small child and you see the makeup, which again, I will still go back to saying that's probably going to be the thing that affects most people because the makeup is real good and real grotesque. I know that like, again, the VHS box for these movies was one of those things that definitely stuck in my head in a primal kind of way. But yeah, the movie itself, there's not a whole lot to like really get under your skin. Yep. But I think that's about it, guys. Right? Yep. Oh, wait, there was one last line we did not cover. What was that line that he says? It might have actually been Max who did it to Sal where he calls him like a dickwad from yeah it was like count dingleberry yeah. from ass transylvania or something <laughs> yeah so that was another good line uh sal speaking of sal we're getting toward the end of the podcast so we're gonna give some quick plugs real quick uh anybody got anything going on uh no but if you're listening to this and uh you pray or would like to send good vibes send those to anyone you know who teaches at a public school <laughs> um, yeah we had a long conversation before recording correct. about just how rough it is being a teacher out there and Evan's correct. Support the teachers in your local communities and schools. They teach our children. They support the future. It's tough. Um. <laughs> and there's another real life fear. Evan teaches your children, maybe. Correct. That's <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time, that's scary. But if you saw the kids that I taught... <laughs> You'd be more fearful for me. That's more like Day of the Demons, am I right? Oh, yo, 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 boom! <laughs> yeah, but in all seriousness, you know, I mean, people are like, yeah, teachers, they do hard work, but I, you know, I don't think we give the support that we actually need, at least not in the state that I reside in. So that's my little bit. Also, thanks again for having me on. It's always a pleasure. And totally. uh, listeners, make sure this is the new most listened to episode. So so you can keep having me on this show. Especially since we don't no longer get that podcoin bump. <laughs> oh man, that was rough. Podcoin has frown face. <laughs> and on that note, we are on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, but no longer the Podcoin app. But now on Spotify, yes. we are Watch If You Dare, the podcast. We are at Watch If You Dare on Facebook and Twitter. Please rate and review us on iTunes. I think we might be over 200. I haven't checked in a couple days. But if we are, again, thank you so much, especially to the Twitter podcast community. Y'all are the best part about Twitter and the only reason why I stay active on our Twitter. <laughs> because y'all are great and super supportive. And I dug a lot of the shows that I've discovered through you guys. And that's all I got. What about you, Aaron? Um, I don't really have anything beyond definitely check out my brother Jesse's band camp. Um, he is going by Party Gator with his personal stuff. Otherwise, his band Opossums is going to be doing a small tour that kind of stretches through some of the southern states at the beginning part of October. So if they are coming around you anytime soon, definitely go check them out. They're a lot of fun. And um, again, check him out on Bandcamp and support his bands. And again, he does the bumps at the beginning and ends of our episodes, which we are very grateful for. That's all I got. One more thing before we go. Tribute to our fallen hero, 
Sal. Sal. Oh, that's why she put me in here. There's no way to get out. <laughs> 21 Sal salute. <laughs> bum, bum, Sal. Bum. Yo, Franklin, get Sally out here for me. <laughs> Dear Lord. All right. Yes, we will be coming at you pretty soon with another episode for the season of Spoop. Trademark registered tm all the tm 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 copyright copyright yeah that's gonna be all over the uh social media so uh again season of spoop with your favorite spoop boys we have two more fun episodes planned out for this month so we will definitely be getting back to you real soon (laughs) 